This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Show. My name's Josh Shaler, joined by Barton Simmons, Trey Scott, later by Connor Tapp. How we doing today, guys? We're great. We're great. We got a good weekend of football in front of us we for do. once. Well, you're a- Can you imagine going to a fall wedding this weekend? Well, uh, you know what? Fer- Faraday brand has been good to me. One of the Faradays is getting married. <laughs> so I... Uh, what time's the wedding? It's like five. Yikes. Right in the heart of... No, you'll finish Texas OU. Yeah. Most... You'll be just about done with Florida, LSU. You'll be yeah. okay. Are there TVs at the reception? I doubt it. This is not. This is going to be a hard party and reception. Not a whole lot of standing around TVs, I think. Uh, hit us with your questions and comments. We'll read those throughout the show. Pick a fan of the week. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. As you were saying, big slate of games. We just thought we'd just dive into these. So let's go ahead and get started. And I want to start with the game down in Baton Rouge, Florida at LSU. Of course you want to start with that. Oh, I guess it's at 7 o'clock. Okay, well, I stand correct. We kind of – All right, so Florida, LSU. Barton, we've asked you to kind of give us your key to each game. Start with Florida. Make every possession count. Well, I think – I mean, this is a totally different challenge for Florida this week than what it faced last week against Auburn. Um this week, LSU is going to be able to score. I mean, Florida could have the best defensive game plan in the world. LSU is going to find a way to get some points. That's the way this offense is built this year. It's fast-paced. It's up-tempo. Up uh, it's, it's a throw-it-around-the-yard offense. RPOs with big-time playmakers at receiver. So Florida could play great, and they're still going to give a few points. So to that end, offensively, it's got to manufacture some points, and it has to make the most of every drive. And whether that means possessing the football for an extended period of time – whether that means uh, getting it into the red zone, switching field position, whether, I mean, I don't think they can waste any possessions. I don't think Florida can have a lot of three and outs in this game and expect to be able to hang in there. And they had a lot of three and outs against Auburn, and we're still able to hang in there. So, totally different challenge. I'm sure Dan Mullen's gonna have a great game plan, but, you know, he's gonna have to uh, for that to work out. It seems like Dan Mullen has a special affinity for Kyle Trask. Are you there yet with him, too? Like, do you. When you say take care of the football here, it almost kind of speaks to we might perceive Trask to be a game manager, and that's a good thing here. Do you have confidence in him going to Baton Rouge and winning this game? Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in the picks, but I, I think Kyle Trask is, is capable. I think he's, you know, he can do a lot of the things that Florida needs him to do to be successful. Um, he can, he's accurate. He can distribute. He's not as mobile. And particularly now that we've got some MCL strain issues, you know, he's not going to be a guy that uh, you're going to want to leave out there on an island, you, you leave exposed. So the quick passing game, and this plays into my, my LSU key too, which is jump the quick passing game. And, and that was how Florida found success against Auburn. Dan Mullen found some matchups that Kyle Trask was able to exploit at the receiver position, getting receivers on linebackers and making some quick throws 
that those guys, Freddie Swain, Joshua Hammond, those guys could turn into big plays. The, the issue with Florida is their offensive line is not uh, playing at a high level. And so when that's the case, you can't do a bunch of five-step, seven-step drops and look for this vertical passing game. So that's why LSU has got to be very aggressive, I think, in containing the, the quick passing game because I'm not sure Florida's pass game can do a whole lot more than that. And that's not a commentary on Trask as much as it's a commentary on that offensive line. So if, if LSU can absolutely lock down that aspect, and that probably speaks more to Grant Delpit, Jacoby Stevens, uh, Patrick Queen. Derek Stingley. You know, no, I'm, yeah. I'm saying the perimeter guys, okay. Derek Stingley, Christian Fulton, those guys, yeah, they, they've got their, they, they've got their, their task, um, which, is, which is challenging in itself. But I think it's more about who's going to be defending those slot guys, the inside receivers, to limit their success. Uh, because I think that's huge for, for stopping this Florida offense. Well, LSU's defense, the, the perimeter guys on the outside, they're not going to be giving up big plays. And I guess I'll go back to I love your point about jump the quick passing game. That's how Texas had success against LSU was Devin Duvernay yeah. in the slot very quickly. And that's really the only reason the Longhorns were able to hang on in that game at all. They had, with the exception of a sort of busted vertical route to Brennan Eagles on the sideline, Really nothing going. I mean, you saw true freshman Derek Stingley shut down Colin Johnson, a, a vertical, you know, sort of uh, big-bodied receiver on the sideline. You sh- saw him shut him down. Yeah. If Florida's going to win this game, they have to get something going in the middle of the field. Personnel-wise, I, I think it's Freddie Swain. I think he's the one who kind of has to be a monster. He does. And, 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 again, you asked about Kyle Trask. Like, he is very capable of getting the ball in, his, in, in Freddie Swain's hands, in Kyle Pitts' hands, another guy that was a matchup I problem did. for Auburn last week. Um, you know, those sort of routes, those sort of players, Kyle Trask can, can operate and, and, and distribute to them. If you're going to ask Kyle Trask to extend plays, if you're going to ask Kyle Trask to, to improvise, like those are not areas where he's as comfortable. And so I think it's on LSU to, 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 to force him to second guess, give that defensive line and, def- and, and linebackers some time to get to the quarterback and see if you can make them uncomfortable. We all owe Florida an apology after we nobody yeah. nobody gave them a chance last week. Well, I wouldn't Did say no one else? gave them a chance, but we just collectively picked well, against them. Well, you put like a minor disclaimer. Absolutely, that was a very like uh, I put that disclaimer there, knowing full well they had a pretty good chance. I sort of had like changed how I thought about that game by the time kickoff rolled around. I know Connor did too. I actually, I don't like, you're probably not going to believe me, but I had Florida plus three, so I did take them. I actually did, so. It's nice to see you're winning money somewhere. Well, it is. Uh, all right, let's move on to the big game for Trey, Texas, and Oklahoma. So, Barton, I like, that, I like these keys that you've given out. Uh, start with Oklahoma. Yes, they need to start fast. I feel like that's a given, that they always are going to start fast. I can't tell you the last time. That when the game was in the Cotton Bowl, I'm not talking about the weird Big 12 championship game last year. I feel like Oklahoma's always starting fast against Texas. Last year, I was re-watching this game the other night. OU got down, on the, got down the field in, in four plays. Well, okay, so you rewatched the game. Yeah. All right, when did, when did Texas score? Like, did, did Texas score first, or did they score? Oklahoma scored first. Okay, and then Texas scored. Yeah. And then Texas and then got te- a turnover. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. And then Texas scored again. And then Texas started to pile it up. So, right? yeah, so, that, so that's exactly, I think, plays to Texas's role in this. Like, they've got to, they've got it. like, I say Oklahoma needs to start fast, but in a way, it's just both teams need to, like, someone needs to assert themselves earliest. And whoever does that 
has the advantage here because I think if Texas can get a lead early, like they did last year, yes, Oklahoma went down and scored, but then Texas went down and scored, and then Texas got a turnover, and then Texas took the lead, and then Texas is in the driver's seat. Yep. And when Texas can play in the driver's seat, they're much more comfortable in this setting because they can dictate the pace. They can lean on Sam Ellinger as a running quarterback and just grind away yards and just sort of pull Oklahoma in their style of game. If Oklahoma scores first, scores second, like gets up two scores quickly, all of a sudden I think Texas is – I mean, look, Texas can play in a shootout, yeah. but you don't want – no one wants to get in a shootout with Oklahoma. And Texas is a, is a team that's uniquely equipped to keep a game – within a comfortable space because of the way they can play offensively. If Oklahoma starts stretching things out early, then all of a sudden that, that, that advantage dissipates. Texas has a phenomenal offense, but yes, I do not want to see Texas having to come from behind every single possession the way the LSU game went, where you're asking a Texas defense that's walking wounded against one of the best offenses in the country to get a stop, or else Texas is much more comfortable, yes, when they're controlling the ball, when they're running the football, when Sam Ellinger is kind of playing with some forward momentum. Your other key, this is great. So you said turnovers, right? Yeah. This, in the Red River shootout, rivalry showdown, whatever you want to call it, and it's been five different things, turnovers decide this game. In 2018, in the Cotton Bowl, Texas turned the ball over not once. Oklahoma turned the ball over three times. Texas won by three. In 2017, a freshman Sam Ellinger went toe-to-toe with Baker Mayfield. They lost by five. Texas, no turnovers. Oklahoma won. Can you force turnovers and can you make big plays on special teams? And that's going to decide this game. Is that sort of just exactly what you're thinking? Well, yeah. And I think you, you could really uh, pull this key for Texas and insert it into just about every team that plays Oklahoma. Because when you're playing Oklahoma, you can't count on getting stops. Oklahoma's going to get some yards. They're going to rack up yards against every team they play. Can you get turnovers? Can you create an additional possession for your offense to keep pace? And I think one of the reasons why this is a, you know, this is a, a key that, again, is one that I think Texas is very equipped to handle and, 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 and has some success in when you just look at what they did last week against West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia turned the ball over, what, four times? Four times. And... A, a pretty good chunk of those, I, I, I can't in my head account for every one of them, but there were a couple of those that were not mistakes by West Virginia, just phenomenal plays by Texas defensive backs. I'm thinking about Deshaun Jameson, you know, one-handing a pass down the field that looked like a beautiful throw for a big play. Texas needs to make those kind of plays. It needs to, like Caden Stearns last year. Yep. I mean, that was one of the, you know, we hadn't seen Kyler Murray go up against the defense with the athletes that Texas had in the secondary last year. And early in the game, it caught him off guard a little bit. Now, Jalen Hurts has seen a few more defenses than Kyler Murray had at this point last year uh, over the course of his career. So I don't expect that he's going to be rattled by the speed and athleticism of Texas's secondary. That said, this is, I think, while it's a secondary and a defense has given up big plays, it's kind of a boomer bust group in that it can create those turnovers. So look, you can go 700 yards to Oklahoma if you want to. If you turn them over four times, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that over get, like, limiting Oklahoma to 
500 yards, 450 with zero turnovers. Like any day of the week, you're taking turnovers against this Oklahoma team because you need to create more opportunities for your offense. And likewise, I would say Texas's margin for turnover era is like zero. They can't. Yep. They can't give the ball away. Yep. How surprised are you that the line is 11? Not surprised. It was 12 last year. It's been 17 before. The, the point spread does not matter in this game. You can say that's a cliche. It just doesn't. It just does not. The largest point spread ever in the history of this game, 2013, 17 points, Texas won by two touchdowns. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You throw these two teams in what, what is essentially a coliseum and probably the best environment in college football, especially for a neutral site game, that's my take. Maybe that's my take of loser this week. It's insanity. It is insanity. The, the spread doesn't matter. Either. Well, the, I mean, I think to your point, Josh, it's surprising that Vegas didn't, and the public and, and the market, hasn't factored in or adjusted to sort of the Tom Herman bump, the double-digit underdog Tom Herman deal where he's basically covers every time he's a double-digit dog. I mean, I would expect Texas will be ready for this game. I think if not for that in my head about Tom Herman, if not for the history and this rivalry, it feels like Oklahoma is two touchdowns better than Texas. Hmm. But – there's the, but all that stuff. Oklahoma hasn't played That anybody. stuff matters, though. Oh, I, I would maintain Oklahoma hasn't played anybody, and we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit later on. But they really haven't. I agree. All right, let's move on to USC at Notre Dame. So you've kind of got the same thing here, which is great. It's you know, easy yeah, to kill two birds. Who, yeah, with who ones. wins? Yeah, kill two birds with one stone. Is USC's only chance like the way they beat Utah? You just get these chunk, long passing plays, almost on a broken play variety. Well, I mean, yeah, it needs to count on Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn's playing like the NFL <clears throat> receivers that they, they are. Yeah. Um, and, and to do that, their strength is, is the vertical passing game. They have to attack vertically, and, and they have to go up and make some big plays down the field. And I think they're capable. I mean, Sean Crawford's out for Notre Dame. They, they're a little bit banged up in the secondary. They, uh, you know, come into this game – um, with, I wouldn't say that's a weakness. I mean, the secondary has been good for Notre Dame this year, but it's a new test for them. This is, this is the best wide receiver group that's, that Notre Dame's faced. Um, and I think Keaton Slovis, with his arrival, is more equipped to throw downfield than Matt Fink is or was. Very much so. Were you surprised by that? Or were you just I mean, Matt else? Fink's the one who's done it. I know, but Matt, did you watch those throws? Those were punts. I mean, Keaton Slovis, I think, can get it done. Now, so here, on the flip side, the whole keep everything in front of you game plan. Look at the, and, and again, this was against Matt Fink. But if you look at what Washington did against USC, and, and that, that offense was, didn't get much against that Washington defense, they only threw it beyond 10 yards in the air eight times, I think, all, all game. Um, they completed two of them. One of them was a touchdown, but they also had two interceptions on those throws. So... That, that success that Washington had, keeping everything in front of them, tackling, that's really what kept USC out of sync, kept them from getting rhythm. If you watched last year against USC, you know, Notre Dame in that game was, was very disciplined in keeping everything in front of them. And, and conversely, it was a weird game. But, but I think Notre Dame went into that game expecting SC to try to attack them down the field. They didn't. They took what the defense gave them, which was the short passing game, they just quit game to death, and they scored a couple touchdowns early. Notre Dame settled in, started defending that a little tighter, and, and ended up pulling away and winning. 
But I think that if, if Notre Dame can do that again, force USC to stay very disciplined and just taking that quick game, taking that quick game, I, I think that eventually that will win out. It's a, like you, against USC, I think you're very comfortable giving up yards as long as you're not giving up big plays because that's how USC beats you is with the big play. Um, and, and so I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see who wins that tug of war of the downfield passing game. After that sort of lackluster Monday night game against Louisville, do you feel like Ian Book has bounced back enough, the quarterback for Notre Dame, to, to win these types of games for Notre Dame and to maybe elevate himself into the kind of guy who can maybe win a playoff game? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's about uh, – Ian Book is someone that is at the mercy of the players around him to a, to a degree. He's a good quarterback, but, he, but I think he's – if an offensive line is overwhelmed from a really good defensive front, I think he starts playing a little fast. If Chris Fink drops a couple passes – that's, you know, I don't think that that's Ian Book is the type of quarterback that can overcome that. Now, Cole Komet's emergence at tight end is, is huge. Um, Chase Claypool has been a steady force throughout the season for them. So he's, it's not like he doesn't have weapons, but I still don't think this is a guy who can just put a team on his back. He is a guy that's capable of winning every game you put him in with the stipulation that the players around him are, are up to the task as well. How about Penn State traveling to Iowa? Well, this is bad news for Iowa, which is usually this hallmark of offensive line play. But they gave up eight sacks to Michigan. Nate Stanley couldn't do anything. And here comes Penn State, which is fifth in the nation with 25 sacks collectively. Well, so Barton, your key to the game was get to the quarterback. And that's pretty simple. Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw that last week. We saw what happens when, uh, when, when, Iowa gets in these passing down situations and, and you can just pin your ears back. I mean, there's not a whole – it's a pretty straightforward offense for Iowa. Uh, if they're not running the football, uh, if they're not moving the line of scrimmage, then not a lot else is working. And so I think, you know, you could start with, with you know, stopping the run. I mean, you always have to start there with Iowa. That kind of goes without saying. But similar to what Michigan did, if you can – just sort of push them back, get them behind the chains. Alaric Jackson is supposed to be an NFL guy. He was, that was his first time back last week at left tackle. Didn't look sharp. Um, I think Penn State's defensive line, their pass rushers are some of the best in the country. So you've got you to make your hay there. You, got, you have to make Iowa pay um, in passing situations. And so I, I think that uh, if they can get to the quarterback, and Nate Stanley's not a mobile guy, if you can get to him, get some sacks, then – I was going to have a hard time playing behind the chains. Do you not have faith in Sean Clifford on third down? Is that sort of the key here? He's been pretty good on third down. 60% of his passes. Yeah. Well, so I think when you look at what Penn State, like the success that Penn State has, it's an explosive place, and, and, and I think it's when they have all of their options in front of them. Can hand the ball off, can keep, can throw. I don't think Sean Clifford is somebody that – can sit back on third and long and, and, and pick you apart. Um, and, and Iowa, conversely, is, is as good as anyone in the country when they force third and long and getting off the field. So I think those two things, when you talk about you know, passing down success rates, uh, you know, Penn State is 73rd in the country in pass down success rate. Uh, you know, if, you talk, if you talk about, let me pull up Iowa. If you talk about Iowa's Pass down success rate defensively, second in the country. So that's a that's a, a a perfect scenario if you're Iowa 
to limit it on first and second down, get Penn State in, in long down opportunities, and then I think your, your defense is set up to be exactly where it wants to be. Penn State's for real, right? For real? I think it for is. For real, right? Hard thing to say. Three times fast. Yeah, I was going to are we under-ranking them, though? They're 10th? They're 10th. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they, could beat they, they don't play Ohio State until November 23rd. Yeah. They look like they could beat them. I mean, they, I thought I thought Penn State was a year away. I thought offensively they were a year away. They're not. They look great. They're really talented. Their their defense is playing great. They give up what twelve points? I think is their their the most they've given up all year. Um, this is a, this. I mean, Kinnick Stadium though is yeah. a whole different test for Penn State. I mean, it, it is for everyone, but I think I mean Penn State they barely survived the last time they were in this setting. So it's uh, I think we find out this weekend how real Penn State is. Okay. How about Alabama going to A&M? Feels like we've hardly talked about Alabama on this show all year because they haven't been involved in any games in which they thought we thought they might lose. So protecting Tua, you think if they protect Tua, this thing's over? Yeah, they've been protecting Tua. We were talking about this before. It's not like this is a, something they have to fix as much as it's something they have to continue to do well because I really think the only way this offense slows is if Tua – Starts trying to play her hero ball because he gets pressured, or Tua takes a couple hits, gets banged up, or that you know the, the a defense line just makes him uncomfortable. And there's some, there's been some shuffling on the offensive line. Chris Owens, the starting center, I think may not play. Landon Dickerson may step in at center. Um, so look, there's there's opportunity there perhaps for Texas A&M and Mike Elko to draw up some some blitz packages or some 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 stunts on the defensive line to to create some issues, but. There's no reason to think that issues will arise, um, but that's, that's why there's a big spread. Um, the only way A&M has a chance is if Tua gets uncomfortable. If he's sitting back there picking them apart, throwing those receivers, I mean, good luck to Texas A&M's defense. Good luck to anybody. For Texas A&M, you want to see Kellen Mond grow up. Been feasting on inferior competition. Yeah. Did not play well in week two against Clemson. I guess that's still on your mind. And he just he, – he, he said in the preseason he thought he was the best quarterback in the SEC. Now, that's great confidence that you expect from someone who's playing quarterback at a high level, but he hasn't been there yet. No, and it's particularly not, in the, not, at all, not against Auburn, um, not against Clemson. So time for Kellen Mond to grow up basically is me saying Kellen Mond's got to play out of his mind. Um, he's got to be that guy that, you know, some people thought he would be this year. The guy he was last year against Clemson. Yep. Uh, he's got to have that kind of a game. And that's the way to beat Alabama consistently. Maybe this Alabama team's a little different. But in the past, if you're going to beat Alabama, you're going to take shots. You're going to let athletic playmakers go up and, and, and try to battle for 50-50 balls against Alabama's athletic playmakers. And, and A&M's got enough, I think, speed and, and athleticism and size on the perimeter. Don't quite have the, the safety valve at the tight end position that they would like to have or had, that it, it had last year in Jay Sternberger. But... I think Kellen Mond has got to do some special things in terms of extending plays, using his legs, and making some big-time throws in, uh, in a setting that's going to be, I, I think, pretty, pretty difficult given Alabama's starting to get a little bit uh, more settled with some young defensive players. Connor, how about some questions? What are we looking at? Yeah, uh, Ronnie Rivers is a Texas fan, says he's not impressed with Oklahoma's defense, Texas by a field goal. I know uh, if you look uh, – uh, Oklahoma by yards per play allowed. I think they're up from a 102nd last year to somewhere in the 50s this year. 
All right, and Trey points out earlier, you know, Oklahoma hasn't really played anybody yet. So do we do we think uh, Oklahoma's defense has improved or what? Good to see Connor. Took us a, probably too long to loop you in. Uh, Oklahoma's defense has improved. Yeah, I think con- improved. Big congratulations to them from going from 102 to the 50s. Uh, it's good for them. No, they have talent. They have one of the best freshman cornerbacks, freshman players in all of college football in Jaden Davis at corner. But, I, I mean, you played Texas Tech. You played Kansas. I don't even know who else. You played UCLA. I, yes, you have improved, and there was, frankly, nowhere to go but up. But you haven't improved to the point where I think they're going to be r- stopping Sam Ellinger on the reg. Do you? Well, no, no. I, but I think, but look, if there is, I think there's hints. There are subtle hints that there is not dramatic improvement, but distinct improvement from last year, this year defensively. If there is distinct improvement, if that's true, if the hints are, are, are accurate, then I, I think it, Texas is in for some trouble. Oh. I mean, truly. Well, okay. Like, all you have to do is be mar- – like, with that offense, all that your defense has to do is be marginally be- – not marginally, but I think distinctly better than last year. No, that's a fair point. I was being sarcastic in, in the jump from 102 to 50. But that's what we've said the last two years because if Oklahoma's defense the last two seasons had ranked somewhere in the 50s in that stat – I would bet Oklahoma has at least one national championship because that offense has been prolific the last few years as far as – and on a historical basis. So, yeah. So, I'm just looking – My point here is OU's defense <clears throat> is fine. It's not a world beater. But I guess the larger point is it does not need to be for Oklahoma to win championships. So, just uh, – I'm just looking at this kind of in real time. All right. This year they gave up 5.91 yards per play against Houston in week one. Uh, last year uh, against Florida Atlantic in week one, they gave up 4.38 yards per play. I don't know if you're going to compare Florida Atlantic against Houston or not, but 5.91 is, is a pretty big number. So, okay, not, not, not super impressive. Uh, how about UCLA? Last year's UCLA team, they gave up 5.04 yards per play. This year it gave up 4.94 not, a lot of stats not, for our not, audience. Not <laughs> significant. Am I, am I getting too deep in, in the weeds? A too deep? I, I'm just saying, like, last year they gave up big numbers to Iowa State. Last year they got run all over by Army. Yes, they did. I, I don't know that, like, this year Kansas put up 20 on them and had 60 yards per play. So I, I think, I guess that's a long way of saying we don't really know how improved this Oklahoma defense sure. is yet. We do not. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, we found a way to answer that question. Uh, keeping it on Texas OU, Joshua Batten yeah. says, uh, Jalen takes for sure the front runner for Heisman after this week, so I guess. Either Jalen or Joe Burrow. We got a good Heisman duel coming up on Saturday as far as which two guys. The, no, the, the, the Vegas odds are going to change on the Heisman this weekend. It's either going to be Joe Burrow or... or uh, Tua could still put up a big game. Yeah. Or, yeah but I, or, or Sam Ellinger. Yeah, you're, that's true. Yes, no, you're right. This is maybe this is the weekend. Not only do we start to see like a separation in the pecking order, and there's certainly playoff eliminator games all across the country. Maybe it's a Heisman eliminator too. Could be. Yeah. Uh, Christy Risher uh, is a Florida fan, and she wants to know: Is Florida's secondary good enough to force uh, Joe Burrow into some mistakes and maybe be a difference maker in that game? Uh, I think Florida's secondary is good enough to challenge Joe Burrow. Probably unlike he's been challenged yet. I yes, mean, he, very he fair. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, he played Texas, but 
and as talented as those guys are, and I'm on the record saying it, like they gave up some big chunks. Yes, they did. Uh, I think Florida's Florida's pretty deep in the secondary. Um, They can they can roll out uh, a few different sets of safeties. Marco Wilson, C.J. Henderson, like those guys can can match up pretty effectively with just about anyone. Uh, And I think Joe, but Joe Burrow has been very like as, as much as many big time throws as he's making. You, you typically when the guys fit in tight windows like that, challenging defenses the way he is, you're seeing him a few interceptions pop up. They're really not. He's a baller. Yeah, he's a baller. Uh, I have a. I know Connor's asking questions. We have a challenge here from from Woody Strickland. I don't ask questions on here. They never respond. So Woody, What's I'm going to give Woody? you ten seconds to type out your question. <laughs> And I will personally respond to you immediately. But if not, will you please notice that we are taking questions from other companies? <laughs> um, Caleb Schaefersman wants to know, what chances are you giving Nebraska against Minnesota if Adrian Martinez can't go? I'm not giving them a significant chance if Adrian Martinez does go. If like, Adrian Martinez is out for maybe an extended period of time, this season could be going off the rails for Scott Frost. I mean, I... I just think they're they're an average team. Yeah. I don't think, and I think they're probably an an average team with or without Adrian Martinez. I think. I mean, that's a surprise because he was third in the Heisman preseason odds, Barton. I know, but did you? I mean, I wasn't picking him. No, I wasn't either. I I mean, surely people were kind of propping up the allure of a Nebraska quarterback. I I think you're. I'm going to say this about about Nebraska. I don't think we can sit here and act like we're this is like what we expected from them. No, I'm okay. not. No, but my, my point is to this point in the season, they played what five games? They're three and two, I think. Uh, Something like that. And now, I mean, we've got a body of work to where I think I can safely say this is an average football team. Okay. I didn't I thought they would be I think I thought they would be slightly above average before the season. I, I, thought, I they, thought they'd be like seven and five. I thought they'd win in the Big Ten West. Uh, Nebraska has played six games in their six four games. and two. Yep. Good, good fat check. Yep. Fat check. Yep. There you go. So what are they? Are they three and three? Uh, four, four and two. two. Four and two. So, so six games, I think, is a fair place to, to, to cast judgment on average or not average. Well, we're still waiting for Woody to ask a question. Yeah, I was, uh, it, unless we hear from Woody, this is our last one for now. Uh, Joshua <laughs> Blanton wants to know, who's a bigger threat to Ohio State, Wisconsin or Penn State? That's a great question. I like that question. I mean, uh, well, where, where's they go? Oh, Penn State's at home. Are they going to Madison? That, I think that's at home too. Um, probably they played a uh, they played a Michigan State team that defensively has a very similar profile against as Wisconsin. Both of those are at home for Ohio State. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, they didn't have many issues with with Michigan's or with Michigan State's defense. So. So, I'm going to say Penn State because I think they can do things a little bit better offensively. I'm, I'm going to say Penn State, too, because I think as, as if you talk about, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, you know, sort of breaking down games that are a few weeks away, but if you talk about a, a Wisconsin game that it gets into a slugfest, I think it's going to be harder for Jack Cohn to make some big plays, and I think Jalen Hur- J- Justin Fields is eventually going to get loose. Right. Tough for me to p- see that one. If Penn State, if they just get into some sort of a s- uh, semi shootout, I'm not saying like just 
gets up to the 30s, yeah. kind of similar to the game last the Big year. Big Ten shootout. Then all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, I think Penn State, you know, could, could could get a stop or a big play here or there that, that could change the game. Guys, breaking news: Woody has asked a question. All right, let's see what you got, Woody. Yeah, Woody wants to know: Is Georgia overrated, and what percentage does Florida have against LSU? Georgia's tied for third in the AP poll. So yes, I think they're overrated. Okay, what percentage does Florida have against LSU? <laughs> Why are you asking like that? What percentage does Florida have to beat LSU? I would say the percentage is... 33%. My... Yeah, I'm with that. Like like 35, something like that is what I was thinking. Of course, you can't just like agree with me. Well, I just... Yeah, I have... There's a lot of percentages out there for us to land on. Yeah. Figured it'd be something... That'd be quite something if we both landed on the exact... FBI gives them 24%, so... Let's see what... uh, Let's see what Bill Conley... While you're doing your stats research... I want to say that I heard from a lot of non-long-time college football fans this week who were really confused that there would be a tie in the AP poll. And, and we see ties at 22 all the time, but a tie at three was the first time in a while. And I think a lot of fans who didn't grow up watching college football, I heard from them. And, uh, and they, were, they were flummoxed that college football would allow a system in which teams can be tied. But as I, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, it would matter if this was still the BCS and the AP poll factors into that. But it's just the playoff, and the playoff's not going to tie anybody. So Bill, that was my Bill Conley. Bill Conley from ESPN has the uh, Florida's win probability at 33%. <laughs> wow. I didn't even I well, didn't know. Where would you have them, then? If they were he said uh, Well, look, it was, a, it was a very yes or no question. Uh, I said no because I would probably have Florida – I'm sorry, I would probably have Georgia, like, fourth or fifth. Okay. Like it's not like I think they're like bad. I just think um, I think LSU, Ohio State, Alabama are are probably the, the the cream of the crop right now. All right, thank you for your questions. We'll hit some more up later. Uh, Kevin Boiler talks to Chip Brown at Texas at this week's Bowling Point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boiling Point, where we put our experts to the test by asking them a few pointed questions. With number 11 Texas taking on number 6 Oklahoma this weekend, the Red River rivalry has Big 12 tensions at an all-time high. With me today to discuss those tensions is Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Chip, Horns Down has become the most controversial hand sign in college football. Who's to blame for this being a story, the teams who flash it or Texas for finding it so offensive? Well, I, I think this whole thing has been misunderstood because it's really if you use it in a taunting fashion, right? I mean, you can do horns down on your sideline to your own fans. They just don't want you doing it on the field in the course of play to uh, an opposing fan base or to opposing players in a taunting fashion. It would be the same thing as standing over a player and saying something or staring down at him as he's you know, helpless on the field, uh, the same stuff that would would get a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. So I think this thing's gotten overcooked, and of course, it gets even more overcooked the week of the Red River shootout. And and Kevin, I appreciate you, you know, saying uh, Red River rivalry because I sound like Elmer Fudd when I say that. So feel free to just say uh, Red River shootout because that you know that's the way it was with Keith Jackson and and uh, Frank Broyles, and and it's never been more appropriate when you have Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman calling the plays uh, in in a game like 48-45 last year. So it is truly back to being the Red River shootout. 
Chip, while we're on the topic of disrespect, some took offense to what Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts said about the Texas OU rivalry this week. When Hurts was asked whether he's prepared for the intensity of the rivalry, the Alabama grad transfer said, I played in the Iron Bowl. I think I'll be all right. Did you find his answer to be a bit dismissive of this game as a heated rivalry? No, because I think those reporters were doing anything they could to get him to give them something, some kind of bulletin board material. It's ridiculous uh, how good Jalen Hurts is and what a winner he is. Um, and my gosh, his numbers right now are off the charts. Uh, he's, he's averaging 8.8 .8 yards per carry and throwing the football uh, down the field in a way that people said he couldn't. So I love Jalen Hurts. This I covered him at the national championship with Alabama. He's always been a man of few words. He's not a big charismatic guy. Um, and his deadpan answers can be taken as, um, you know, as dismissive or nonchalant. But this guy is a killer. I mean, he is a contract killer. So uh, Texas is going to have its hands full because this guy is, is going to make or break uh, the Texas defense. And honestly, he's the impact player uh, for OU in this game. Chip, thank you so much for stopping by. The Sooners and Longhorns will battle it out for Big 12 supremacy on Saturday. For everything Texas, until then, follow Chip on Twitter and read his work over at Horns 24-7. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, thanks, guys. So, Trey, you're a Texas grad. Mm -hmm. What's your thought about all this? What do you think about this? Okay, I, what do you think? I have, is this? Are you triggered? I, are you no, triggered I, right I have now? A few things to say. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. As far as the horns down goes, get your own hand signal. Boy. Get Texas's name and its likeness out of your head. Texas A&M does this too. Texas A&M's fight song is about Texas. It's about sawing the horns off. Oklahoma sells merchandise in which they're doing the horns down. That's just ridiculous. Like, sell merchandise, I'm like, oh. figure out something else to do. So, now, secondly, I don't even care that much about Horns Down. I'm not that triggered by it. I feel bad, Clearly. and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> as, you're, as you're screaming and sweating, yeah. and veins are popping out of your head. The Big 12 has made such a big deal out of Horns Down. No, 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 Listen, no. Texas let, has made a big deal out of no, Horns Down. No, 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 no. The Big 12, the Big 12 made it a penalty. Texas didn't make it a penalty. So, the Big 12... Everyone thinks Texas is crying to Big 12 about this being a penalty, okay? It's, Texas is not – this has been going on for my lifetime. This only started as a controversy because the Big 12 wants to make it a penalty. But then everyone says, oh, well, now Texas is whining and complaining to the refs about the horns down. I think horns down is silly. I think if you're doing the horns down, that means you don't have enough tradition at your own school to do your own original thing. But I also don't think the Texas fans are as triggered about horns down as you guys think they are. <laughs> you know – Every time Tom Herman or anyone at Texas, Sam Ellinger, is asked about horns down, all they would have to say would be, not, not what you just said, where they go off on this rant, all they would have to say would be like, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. They can do whatever they want. Instead, every time they talk about how disrespectful it is and how it's, it's, they, won't have it, they won't have that kind of disrespect 
happening on their field. And like, it's just this. It is disrespectful. It's it's if if they would just let it go, it wouldn't be a big deal. But but they but I think the the fact that they answer it in the affirmative that this is like some sort of slight on their program because they have pride in their program. See, okay, the way I see this. Is if like you said, I agree. I agree. If if Oklahoma is doing this, screenshot this. If if Oklahoma is doing this in all of their recruit pictures, they are. I know. That's my point. Every time they're doing that, they're 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 directing that to Texas. That to me is the greatest sign of respect you could have. That that you are in someone else's head so much that I I agree with your point. Their entire like their their entire hand signal. Is 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 not even catered towards their program. It's directed at their rival. That's great. Have at it. Bring it on. I no. I look. Oklahoma beat Texas last year in the Big Twelve title game, and the team photo is horns down. And like, I respect Oklahoma. I like Lincoln Riley a lot. Like, come can, up can, with something else, guys. Can get, I, get original. I right. mean, it's not easy. Oh, you like? Oh, you like? This is easy. Not to, this is easy. Not not to derail uh, this. Sorry, but I. Not to bring this into like Ivy League rivalries, but I'm going to bring this into Ivy well, League I've rivalries. Well, I've got a Kentucky connection. Okay, well, there you, you go. don't need to hear right. that. And if you <laughs> and try to bring something, <laughs> so our rivals at Yale were Princeton and Harvard. Okay, every week during uh, Yale, as like Princeton and Harvard, the last two weeks of the year. Yeah. During Princeton week, they would start selling shirts that said Harvard sucks, and on the back it would say Princeton doesn't matter. Okay, the like Princeton. Having it that they don't matter on the back of their shirt was a much bigger sign of disrespect than having Harvard sucks on the front of your shirt. Like that was a rivalry that like that that we that both programs were leaning into. Mm-hmm. The Princeton sucks on the back was like that. That was a huge. My sister ran track at Princeton. When I would talk to her friends about that shirt, like they were like legitimately offended. If you want to offend Oklahoma, or if Oklahoma wants to offend Texas, don't care about it. Yeah, you know, yeah y'all can have that. Like. Congratulations, we're in your dome. I right mean, now. Texas Texas says OU sucks. Texas says it's 12, 11, and OU still sucks. I did, the hand signals a lot, and I also wish the Big 12 hadn't made such a big deal out of it because now everyone's doing it. Texas oh. was at West Virginia last week, and the West Virginia fans are doing the horns down. I'm like, Texas doesn't even, like, re- West Virginia does not even register with Texas. How about Charlie Strong putting the UK logo in the, the urinals at Louisville? How about that? How's that for disrespect? I like it. Yeah, that's I cool. would embrace that. Yeah. I love that. Connor, do you think do you think this is much to do about nothing? I mean, I mean, I don't know that I have much to contribute beyond what y'all have already said, but like, I don't think OU continues to enjoy doing this as much if Texas fans aren't acting like the way Trey is acting right now. Whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever. Uh, you There's a that? lot of great trash talk in this game, so I can't wait. B.J. Foster told Jalen Hurts he better slide. Yeah, that was something. It's kind of a lot. All right, let's yeah. transition to Josh's big bet now. Josh, you keep losing money. Yep. Did he lose again? He yep. lost. Oh again. man, you're. What are we? You staked? You're staked right now. I'm like what down forty forty four thousand. Yeah. So I'm wow. gonna hand Josh a bet, and he's gonna just bet. reset. Reset. Yeah, Josh went to the World Series of Poker this summer. Won uh, twenty two grand. Yeah. He's been flaunting, flaunting his money AirPods, like, ever since. Like new hoodie. like you guys, this is brand new hoodie. Family no, vacation. Like probably designer. Is this a designer no, hoodie? No, Works yeah. two days a week. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna hand you this bet, and you're gonna open it. And you're going to read it out. And once you read it out, the clock will start. Okay. okay? So you're going to have 15 seconds to, to look and, and, to, and deliberate and explain your choice. Are you ready, Colin? Get the <laughs> clock. Go. Go. South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia's a 24-and-a-half point favorite. 
I like Georgia minus 24. Wow. wow. Laid a big number a with 44 number. grand on the line. Yeah. Ten, Georgia barely covered 22 against you, Are you going to just, is it just the 22 grand or do well, you want to like double down and go 44 oh, grand? Ooh. Am I allowed to talk about South Carolina? I was giving yeah, South Carolina yeah, yeah, a bet. You can talk about it. This is your big bet. You got 15 seconds. This already expired. You have 15 more seconds. I was not impressed with their offense against Kentucky. I, I, I just don't. I don't know if they, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Georgia's defense is a lot better than Alabama's. South Carolina beat you guys 24 to seven. So I, anyway, uh, 24. It should have been 44 to seven if you watched that game. Kentucky couldn't do. They were four, uh, three and out on offense all the time. But whatever. Well, uh, just I, I just don't. I, you just said you're like flaunting your money. I like Georgia's defense better than you know, better. So. All right. I'm sure it's another loss. So, uh, all right, where are we going from here? Let's, uh, oh, take a Palooza. Hot takes by these guys. Okay, I got one. Trey? I have been working on this one for weeks. <laughs> so, my take here is that Jimbo Fisher is the next Jim Harbaugh. What do I mean by that? Yeah, Rousing success in year one, taking yeah. over a program that hasn't really played for a national title in a while, but... Every, indica- every indication says it should. Big money given out. You know what big money means? Big expectations. You know what big money means? Down the road, if the day ever comes, big buyout discussions. Right now, Jim Harbaugh's $15 million buyout is a number that all college football fans love to cite. Texas A&M barely beat horrible Arkansas the other Saturday. Texas A&M fans weren't happy. Jimbo Fisher has another chance Saturday to prove he can win a big game. Probably going to come up short. I like Jimbo Fisher. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's an elite college football coach. I don't see him right now in the next few years positioning Texas A&M to beat Alabama and beat LSU, and those are the teams you're going to have to beat to just play for an SEC title game. That reminds me a lot about what's going on in Ann Arbor, so that's my hot take. Could you say he's more of a Dennis Franchione? What was his name? Dennis Franchione? No, I mean – Jimbo Fisher is a very competent, very smart head coach. I think the same thing about Jim Harbaugh. I just think the task you're asked for with right now is, so, is leading up a, a program that really hasn't competed for a national title since 1939. So he's going to be successful to a certain degree. He's just never going to be able to get in the SEC championship game. Yeah. That's basically what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I, you, I wonder how much the fact that Jimbo Fisher has a trophy – and his mm. uh, trophy case is going to maybe buy him a little bit more time if we accept the hypothetical that things kind of plateau. Yeah, I mean, he's got all the time in the world because that buyout's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what it is, but he signed it it's 10 It's fully years. guaranteed. It's, I think it's, it's 75 million, and it's all on the school. Like, yeah. Jimbo can walk away. Yeah, he's two years into a $70 million deal. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. And you know what college fans love to do if things aren't going well after two or three years? They love to start talking about who's up next, and no one's going to be up next for a long time. What's your take? Uh, my take is also in the SEC West. Uh, Rich Rodriguez will be a head coach next season. Uh, oh, I, I kind of like that. You know, his, is he the head coach at Ole Miss? Is he the head coach somewhere oh. else? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to prod a little bit more. Yeah. Head coach, at, are you, you thinking Matt Luke could be gone? I, I'm open to that possibility. Okay. Uh, but I think I honestly think that Rich Rodriguez is probably going to be one of the primary reasons that Matt Luke is not gone because his offense does enough to where how do you fire Matt Luke, even though probably Rich Rod is the reason you're, being, you're, you're finding success. John Rice Plumley is a 
as a quarterback prospect, mm -hmm. there are some flaws there. But as a quarterback in Rich Rod's system, what a great get for Ole Miss at this time. Like he's he is, I think, really added a spark to that team offensively. I think you know Rich Rod also inherited a pretty good running back, and he got two great ones as true freshmen and Snoop Connor and Jerry Unili. Um, yeah. There's just a lot to like about this offense right now. I think because of the way it matches up with Rich Rod's system. So I think you're going to continue to see Ole Miss put up some points on offense. Uh, whether they keep on winning games, I guess, is, is very much to be determined. But uh, I think because the offense is going to, look, uh, going to look sharp and going to look appealing to the eye, I think Rich Rod is going to be a name that uh, gets, some, gets some pretty good buzz. Apologies for taking this in a potentially uncomfortable direction, but Fair. Rich Rod was part of him leaving Arizona was sexual misconduct allegations against him. He doesn't really seem to have faced very many questions about that at Ole Miss. I don't know if that's just a function of it's Ole Miss and who cares or what, but like depending on what the job is, I assume that that's going to get looked at a lot more. Uh, that's fair. I mean, uh, that that's that, and I don't even really have a. I can't refute that um, because I don't know the nuts and bolts of that situation enough to dig in. But uh, I think it appears that that won't like that doesn't seem prohibitive enough to just scare away blankets athletic coordinators across the country. But I, I could be, you know, maybe there's more to that that I'm that I need to dig into. Well, I, I just think that's if he does get a head coaching job, it's at a Liberty types place. You know, yeah. you just hired Hugh Freeze, not yeah. I just can't see him at a power five. Surely Ole Miss did some background something. I mean they had to do something, right? Maybe. Yeah. We'll dive into it. <laughs> I right. think they just had a very controversial hiring of a new chancellor, so I don't Oh uh, well that's a that's a good point as well. Uh Connor any more questions over there? Yeah, so uh, Dabo Sweeney made some headlines uh, recently for the way that he addressed. And so this, this question comes from Corey. He wants to know, I guess it's kind of like, should, Dabo kind of got mad that reporters were texting him asking about an MRI Trevor Lawrence had performed, I think, after the Texas A&M game. Dabo says it's just a bruise, but I don't know. People hear MRI <clears throat> and they're worrying that maybe something bigger is wrong. Uh, I don't know, you guys' thoughts on his uh, Dabo's reaction to all that, and is this a sign that we need some kind of NFL-style injury report? We do need an NFL-style injury report for reasons also regarding gambling. I think this is a problem if the reporter is texting Trevor Lawrence and asking, how's your shoulder? And I'm sure that happens. I, I'm, I'm positive it happens. As far as media reaching out to players, that's not really fair for the players. Uh, I would hope Dabo is not too upset that he makes $9 million a year, and a reporter's asking him for an injury update on one of the biggest superstars in college football. Uh, but, yeah, we do need injury, a uniform injury report around the country. And I think you're seeing coaches kind of lock all that information away as time goes on. I know Jim Harbaugh is very secretive. Will Muschamp is very secretive. Tom Herman is very secretive. I love the level of, of Dabo's venom was surprising. Me too. Uh, I, I feel like there's, there's got to be more to that than, uh, than what we know. It just I mean, he went off. Like he, went, he went on a big... I think they've been kind of frustrated for a few weeks. Yeah, I, do th I think there's a little bit of that where it's just, you know what, every, all of a sudden, you know, he talked about pulling out the, the Roy bus again and pulling out the tarp and shining it up. And I, I think that part of it, they probably are excited to get back and embrace the, hey, everyone's doubting us again. Uh, 
but I, I also think there's probably a little bit of level of, man, because, you know, Dabo's always this guy who's like, we're going to enjoy every win, and we're not going to care what the point total is, and we're, you know, we're, mm-hmm. a win's a win's a win, and, uh, and you know, he's got to answer questions about why is Trevor Lawrence not better, even though he's still one of the best quarterbacks in college football. It's just he set his own expectations so high. So I think there's a lot of just angst and frustration within that building right now, and that's either going to build up and, and weigh them down, or they're going to take it out on Florida State this week. I think it says something that Trevor Lawrence, perhaps the most mild-mannered, you know, unquotable kid in college football, is coming out saying it's great. You know, people are saying we suck now, and like just to see Trevor Lawrence use the word "suck" was like, oh, whoa, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he's kind of firing back at the media right now. So I think it's very interesting uh, what's going on up there. Uh, Sean wants to know what you guys' reaction was to the letter received by Penn State player Jonathan Sutherland about his dreadlock. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to start on this or do you want me to? I'll let you start. Okay. Well, first of all, so I think like the letter referenced basically um, the, the dreads that Sutherland rocks in games and, and basically said – I, I miss the old days when this program was more clean cut. Uh, the Jerry Sandusky days? Yeah, I guess. Uh, the, I think the, the... It wasn't even a joke. I was just being serious. Uh, yeah, it was. The, well, the Joe Paterno days. Um, I think the, the person that penned that letter probably didn't... Act, truly, I think, believed that did not think it was racist. But it, it is racist. It, it, was, it was a racist letter. Uh, and, and so I think the... The way Penn State handled it afterwards, and specifically the way James Franklin handled it, I think is a great lesson in leadership because you can look at it as James Franklin just taking an opportunity to grandstand, but I think it was, I think more importantly, James Franklin took an opportunity to convey a message about who this team is, about how he views the brotherhood of this team, what it means to be a team, and I think that like those were really important messages, like independent of the letter. And I think it was a great job of James Franklin to spin it as a uniting opportunity for his program. Well said. And I, I think like when you are receiving any kind of criticism and your boss goes out in public and is like, "No, this dude rules." Like yeah. that feels really good. <laughs> so yeah. But um, uh, other questions. Uh, Caleb Schaffersman is grateful to me for not butchering his last name. Uh, I'm, I'm like the first person not to do that. Uh, Woody chimes in. Oh, Thanks. Woody. You guys are all awesome. Keep it up. You've won Woody over. Oh, hey, oh no. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought Woody was speaking in the third person there, but it was just uh, the way Kevin dropped the comment in. Um, uh, Scott Swan is really excited about uh, Ohio State and, uh, and uh, <coughs> Wisconsin coming down the line. Justin Fields going ahead to get head-to-head with uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, and Joshua Blanton, uh, if Florida wins, he, Joshua, he says, if Florida wins, UGA going to be like eyes emoji. So let me <laughs> translate that into like something that, that like, pushes well, the conversation well forward. Said, well, then George is yeah. like, oh, we're not going to walk through the SEC East. I think that, I, that yes, it, like, that's, I, I kind of like the way he phrased that question, actually, because <laughs> Very, like, I think <laughs> if, if Florida wins, it would be fun to see the, the Georgia emojis uh, in that, that they would – 
that they would emit, that they would, that they would transmit. Because when Felipe Franks got hurt, we said, okay, wrap it up. Season's over. SEC East is one. Maybe not. What? Maybe the world's largest out. But also, we've been looking at interesting. Like we like that Miami game, that Florida Miami game. We left it being like, uh, two flawed teams. Right. Uh, good contrast on winning Florida, and then you know Florida. I mean, they they just didn't really have an impressive win until Auburn. Impressive in terms of the performance. If they beat LSU, then I think we're look like then all of a sudden you're talking about a Florida team that's doing this. Like every game they're getting better, and so all of a sudden. Yeah, it's a new it's a new landscape. Uh, great job by saying uh, Felipe, by the way. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Woody says Trey's the man. You know, I just kind of. All right, Woody. Are you Woody? Uh, are you Woody? Woody? I am Woody. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, Connor. Woody should uh, be our fan of the week. <clears throat> now we're going to go to our actual fan. Well, of the week. well, speaking of fan of the week, uh, this week it is Jeff Thompson on. Uh, uh, well, I th- thought I was on Facebook. Bama guy. It is a Bama guy. I think he's looking for your assurance. Uh, Bama is just running basic vanilla offense and defense. More complicated schemes are waiting on stiffer competition, oh. so the opponents will not be able to prep, you know, prepare for schemes. Would that be a fair assessment? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think that more likely, I mean, I, I think probably Bam is running some simpler stuff, particularly defensively, because they got a bunch of true freshmen playing. And I think it's about getting those guys to play fast and play confident early in the season so that – as the as the games get bigger and the stakes get higher, then those guys will be ready, um, and then maybe they can add some some wrinkles. But I don't I don't dispute that that might be the case. But I think it's as much about getting building confidence for their young defense as much as it is about holding out for bigger opponents. I think Alabama's defense. I don't think anything matters until November 9th against LSU. I think if he's if he's talking about the offense, though, I, I've seen some people talking about this like. Oh, Alabama is not really doing anything on offense. They're just throwing quick slant routes and letting Jerry Judy and everybody else run for long runs. But like, okay, so they can do that and it works yeah. really well. Like, like why overthink why, it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Why do you need to make it more complicated than that? Yeah. 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 They got you know those those receivers. That's probably the best receiving core in college football history. Just give them the ball. You can't stop those slants. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Let's get on to the picks. I uh, have no idea how I did last week. Fellas, how did you do? I think we all did. I think I did pretty poorly. We all did rough. I think I'm in last place. Jeez. Yikes. Five it five. upsets me that Bart <clears throat> is clean. Well, Trey, you're, you got a ways to go. I was last year's champion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. I'm going to come right. back. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with number 23. Memphis is a six-point favorite at Temple. Yeah. At Temple. I really like Temple's pass defense. I've got the Owls winning this one. I thought about Temple, and I thought I took Temple, but I did take Memphis, so I'm (laughs) going to stick with the Tigers so that Collins' life's a little bit easier. (laughs) Uh, This is an 11 or noon kick. This is on the road in Philly for a Memphis team whose offense, uh, they've had some flashes, but I just don't think this is as explosive an offense as we're used to seeing from Memphis. I think this Temple team is pretty good defensively. I think getting this game at home is going to be enough for Temple to pull out a win. Everybody knows how big of a Memphis oh, guy oh, I am. Okay, so I'm on Memphis. I changed my pick last oh, night. Gosh. I guess Colin had already locked him in. I'm on Memphis. <laughs> Everybody knows how big of a Memphis guy I am. I'm taking Memphis. <laughs> I thought we were going to get through with one season and you know, not being a diva. Yeah, Nebraska at Minnesota. Minnesota's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Yeah, Nebraska got an important win last week against Northwestern, but man, they looked pretty rough in doing it. Uh, Minnesota, I got the Gophers staying undefeated. Yeah, Adrian Martinez is out. Minnesota. Adrian Martinez is probably out. I think he's, there's still like a small chance maybe. If, Major, if, if Adrian Martinez even plays, I'm going Minnesota. Okay, I'm with you. I also think Minnesota, with or without Adrian Martinez. Uh, Minnesota's low-key got one of the better wide receiver groups in the country. Um, they, I think Nebraska, as I mentioned, just isn't, they're an average team. Now they got to go on the road at night in Minnesota, uh, a, a team that has not dominated its opponents, but I think has played some pretty good teams. I mean, even South Dakota State, like that's a tough FCS opponent that you don't, no one really wants to play a team like that. I think Minnesota is, uh, is better than Nebraska and wins. Got to sleep. I'll take Minnesota. Penn State's a three and a half point favorite at Iowa. Yeah, look, if, if this was at a neutral site, I'm probably going Penn State and not questioning that decision too much. But Iowa's got an argument that their defense is the best unit on the field. Night game at Kinnick Stadium with a ranked opponent coming to town. It's one of the more unique environments in college football. I'm going with the Hawkeyes. I'm sitting here in last place on the picks, and two of my competitors are going with Iowa. I think Penn State is an easy <laughs> pick here. I'm resisting not making fun of Connor because of the whole Baylor thing that backfired. <laughs> Penn State puts Nate Stanley on his butt time and time again. Uh, let me make sure my pick. What, what do you got for me? Got <laughs> All right, Iowa. Okay. I've been very much on the fence here with this one. All right. So I'm, I'm picking Iowa. Um, and the reason is, is, is Kinnick Stadium. And I think everyone's going to start sort of doubting Iowa after the, the, the offensive showing it put up last week. Um, I mean, do you all remember the number – Iowa put on Ohio State, what was it, 2016? Like 50 something. Uh, and, and that was an Iowa offense that looked straight up bad the rest of the year. Uh, something happens in Kinnick Stadium when these big-time programs come at night. I, I just think Iowa is going to be able to keep this game really close. I think it's a one-possession game that could go either way, and I'm just going to lean on the power of Kinnick and, uh, and pick the upset. You sure about that? No, I'm not, but I'm picking it. I like Penn State. I agree with Trey. Uh, I think this is, to me, I, I think they, they cover easily. So I will roll with Penn State. Alabama's a 16-and-a-half-point favorite at number 24 and Texas A&M. Yeah, maybe Nick Saban comes out of this game with some motivational material for his team, but in terms of actually being in danger of losing this game, I don't think that's realistic. I think Alabama's going to roll. If 2018 Kellen Mond shows that, maybe it's closer than, than the spread would indicate, but I think Alabama does roll and Saban goes to, what, 18-0 over his former, former assistants. Yeah, I, I think the, the lack of a Texas A&M run game, it, it makes this team too one-dimensional to, to put up the number it needs to to keep pace with Alabama. Alabama's going to be able to score, um, you know what, a, a, a valiant effort, but I, I just I don't see how Texas A&M wins. Alabama. Alabama wins and covers. Florida State and number two, Clemson. Clemson is a 27-point favorite. Yeah, I think picking FSU to cover this spread would be pretty easy money, but they're not going to win this game. That's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Florida State's going with the two-QB platoon system. Clemson had a bye week after that really close game against North Carolina. Clemson appears very angry. I think Clemson wins, and maybe this is the first time we see the Clemson that we've been expecting. I can't believe we put this game on our list. This is going to be a blowout. <laughs> that's uh, what you said about Clemson, North Carolina, Bart. Uh, was it? I don't think that's what I said about it. But anyway, yeah, that's what Vegas said. But that's not what I said. I think I said that this would be, that, that was one of the opportunities for Clemson. Well, to here's lose. an opportunity for you to say I the same thing. I don't think this is an opportunity for them to lose. I think I think Clemson wins. I do think that Florida State comes out and is more athletic and talented 
that most teams Clemson plays and can I mean 27 seems like a huge number. It's a yeah. huge. Yeah. But uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and and pick Clemson to win without much of a sweat. Yeah, I got Clemson too. I I think Florida State you know cover the spread at least. But yeah, that's a big number. So I will take Clemson. Washington State at number 18. Arizona State. It is a pick'em. Yeah, uh, Washington State, I feel like they could win this game, but they're so up and down, game to game, half to half, and Arizona State's pretty steady, so I'm going with the Sun Devils at home. It's hard to have any interest in any sort of Pac-12 pick. I think Jaden Daniels keeps that pace with Anthony Gordon. I think Eno Benjamin, running back for Arizona State, kind of sets the tone. Um, Washington State has has sort of had some come-to-Jesus moments recently with Mike Leach. I think he is calling that team to task. Their toughness, they've had a bye week to get straight. Um, Arizona State has not played an offense with much of a pulse to this point. Uh, I think that Washington State comes off the bye focused, motivated, and, and gets a win. I'm not picking against term. Give me Arizona State. Michigan State at number eight, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, a 10.5 point favorite. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's just too good. I, f- I am very nervous about this because this feels like a game that Mark D'Antonio will mark D'Antonio his way to like a close game. But Wisconsin's just too good on both sides of the ball. It's at home. Go Badgers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Mark D'Antonio's guys can, can keep up today or Saturday. I think Jonathan Taylor continues to emphasize he should be firmly in the Heisman discussion. I think this is a close game. I think that Michigan State – and Coach D'Antonio have a really good – we're laughing because we're, we, we joke before the show that we always forget whether it's Mark or Mike. Mark D'Antonio is going to have his guys ready to roll. Uh, I, I, I think that it will be a close game. I think you can make Wisconsin one-dimensional and have a chance. Um, and I, I think Wisconsin wins. But I do think this is a, sort of an upset spot to keep an eye on. Not me. I like Wisconsin, and I like them to cover. Give me Wisconsin. USC is traveling to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is an 11-point favorite. Yeah, Notre Dame's defense at home, they're going to force USC into some mistakes and uh, win this game pretty comfortably, I think. Nothing would shock me, given either of these two programs. Can USC run the ball? Like, please, can you please run the ball? Maybe stay in this game. Otherwise, I got Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I, I really think this is another upset potential pot spot here. I think, I think USC, uh, with Keaton Slovis back, I think they got to sort of catch their breath after that early brutal slate mm-hmm. um, and and I think that Notre Dame to your point offensively still you know still has to find some some things um, so I'm gonna I got USC uh, playing this game really close but I didn't quite pull the trigger on the upset I'm going Notre Dame Notre Dame at home give me Notre Dame number 11 Texas number six Oklahoma Oklahoma 11 point favorite Whatever rationale I give is just going to get dunked on by Trey in a second here, so I'll just pick the Sooners and get out of here. <laughs> Can you read this for me? Trey says Texas 49, and Trey says Oklahoma 38. Dang, I wanted you to read it out so that when Texas does win 49-38, you get your little pedestal clip moment so that you can <laughs> say you picked the upset. Texas will win, throw out the point spreads, big special teams plays, big defensive plays. Sam Ellinger outduels Jalen Hurts. And congratulations on your emotional response to this opportunity. Uh, I am going to be more reasoned in my take. I think Oklahoma is the better team. I think they have the better offense. I think they're deeper. I think they're more talented. I think Texas is doing a good job of improving that program incrementally year over year. 
but this is not the year that they're ready to beat Oklahoma. Oh, what about last year? This is All not. Right. This is not that year. This is, this is this year. I, I wanted to do it. I did, but uh, that's I gotta fine. go Oklahoma. It helps me make up ground. You guys are sleeping. All right, go <clears> ahead. And finally, number seven, Florida, and number five, LSU. LSU's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I, I think we all know how good LSU's offense is. I'm not really buying the concerns about their defense based on what happened, what Texas being able to move on the ball on them in Vanderbilt, being able to move the ball on them in garbage time. I've got LSU by about what the spread is, a couple touchdowns. I've got LSU. I don't really have much else to say. I'm still honestly like feeling emotional that I was the only one who picked Texas and, and shocked here. LSU is the real deal. Joe Burrow, <clears throat> I think he throws for five touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to figure out how Florida was going to win this game, and I just I can't figure it out. I still think that there's just too much firepower on offense for LSU. I, I, I have a ton of respect, particularly after last week, for the game plan Dan Mullen and Ty Grantham are going to have. I just think at some point that they're they're going to get they're going to fail to keep pace. Um, LSU's got too much on offense. LSU wins. Yeah, I I just don't see any way. I I, I got LSU. I mean, I said this last week against you know when they played Auburn, but I again I like LSU here, LSU here at home. Uh, Ooh, it's going to be a weekend. Okay, so Trey, you're actually going down to the. To the Texas yeah, OU game? Yeah, my dad and I are going. I'm flying out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. So, any fans, come say hello, take pictures, autographs. I don't think I know. That would, that would thrill you. I would thrill yeah. me. If yeah, someone asked someone, me for my autograph. Yeah. Someone asked for a, a, a selfie with Trey. Somebody go say hello. I've been with the great first conference. You know, I've been with Barton at the airport when he was recognized, and he was thrilled. Uh, he uh, clicked his heels. <laughs> and I, I think I would have the same response. So, yes, please, uh, someone come find me in the Fletcher's Corny Dog. Line. Don't do anything weird, but you guys for my autograph. Get something, get something fried. You can get something fried? Sure. Fried beer. Great. Great. Yeah. All I'll right. have pictures to report back to on the show next week. All right. Well, thanks so much. Barton, Trey, Connor, everybody in the back, Colin, Aaron, Mike, uh, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you next Ted. week. And Ted. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.